Welcome to the Spawn Me Podcast. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. What the deal, B, Bracago? I hope you are doing very, very well this evening. It is a fantastic, fantastic week for us here. The world has been losing its mind. It has not been amazing in terms of the state of the world, which we're absolutely going to talk about tonight because it is absolutely important that we get some really dope conversations in. Um, but I have to say, from a podcasting perspective from a content creator perspective it has been one of the most fulfilling weeks that i have have ever had um we have we have done some really interesting and fun things this week um and i think we have broken some ground in lots of ways that we didn't expect and i want to thank each and every one of you in the audience tonight for being a part of that conversation being a part of that growth uh, we were on the front pages of GameSpot, Funhouse, they shouted us out. Uh, we had numerous publications and numerous people from all around, all around the the world uh, giving us love uh, in that space. Um, and it's been really fantastic to be able to hear some of that stuff be in the space. So I have to thank you all for giving us that love and for making sure um, that the, the the conversation that we had last week was you know shared far and wide it was one that felt like it resonated with lots of people um and i want to say again thank you to everyone who was being helpful and being amazing and being uh kind and caring about the the, the conversation and about how we affected some change in that space so again Thank you to Pika. Thank you to Blessing. Thank you to Vicious. Thank you to I mean, Paris. I called him Vicious, but I called him by his actual his chat name. Uh, thank you to Zombie and thank you to Cameron, um, who are again beautiful, beautiful human beings. Like they 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 took the time to to rock with us in a way um, that was very very important. Um, so this week we wanted to bookend the conversation that we had with the content creation side of the fence. We had those beautiful streamers come rock with us. Um, and that was very, very special. But I think we have a lot of folks right now who are trying to figure out what's the next step. What's the next layer for everyone who's either at home and trying to figure out what they can do to kind of fight the injustices that we see and how can you be a part of the conversation in a real way um, that makes you feel like you're doing good work while also being educated and, and, and standing up to white supremacy and, and police brutality. So what we did today is we snagged some of the dopest folks on the planet to come rock with us this week. So please, please, please give massive amounts of love to our wonderful guests this week. We have Stephen John Irby from Street Dreams Mag, Inse Ufat from the New Georgia Project, and we have Philip Agnew from Black Men Build, and who's also one of the co-founders of the Dream Defenders. So massive 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 love to everybody today for coming through thank you all so so much for coming through tonight i am so blessed to have you all rocking and uh this is going to be a really fun show uh so thank you again for coming through well thank you for having me the first thing i want to do is for the folks who who don't know your work and and who are just now kind of coming to the space and learning about all the wonderful things that you all do. I gave a quick intro to, you know, the organizations that you represent and the work that you do in that space, but I wanna give you a chance to kind of talk about what that actual work does. So I'm gonna go around the horn. Um, Steve, AKA the best, the dopest name on the planet, Steve Sweatpants. 
Fam, let the, <laughs> let the folks at home know about the wonderful work that you're doing over at Street uh, Street Dreams. Uh, so uh, thanks for having me again. Uh, it's really dope to be here, uh, especially with all these beautiful black faces. Um, so we've been running with Street Dreams for about six or seven years now. And what Street Dreams is, is a biannual publication and a uh, creative agency that is uh, an art institution that the way that we like to look at it. So all of us are pretty much the base of photographers. Um, my other two business partners is uh, Canadian. One is Eric Veloso and the other is Mike, uh, Mike C, uh, both, in, both based in Vancouver. And we really created a platform uh, off of a hashtag at first. We wanted everybody to have a chance to get their work published because it's really hard to get your work published. And through creating that, we've been able to work with some of the dopest artists and, uh, and creatives through the, you know, the social media platforms and also just in, in art in general. So um, I'm a photographer myself and I play a bunch of video games all the time. I'm literally playing Ratchet and Clank right now. And, yes. Uh, I'm just happy. I'm ha I'm happy to be alive. Honestly, it's it's hard out here. <laughs> Yo, that that is that is the realest statement <laughs> ever told, uh, <laughs> audience, yeah, especially real. especially with everything that's going on. So that's that's fantastic. Thank you again for for rocking and being here. Uh, Insay, how are you doing? I'm th so thank you again for for coming through. I want the folks at home to know about all the dopeness that you that you bring to the world. Can you tell the folks at home about the new Georgia project? Yeah. Um, okay. So one, I still don't think that I'm cool enough to hang out with y'all. Uh, so I'm super Get grateful. Get out of here. <laughs> Listen, Please. the swag is on 10. Um, so yeah, I run an organization called the New Georgia Project. Uh, we're based here in Atlanta, but we have offices all over the state, rural, urban, et cetera. Um, and we started as a voter registration effort, right? So the idea was that um, when we started, there were about 1.2 million, mostly black folks in Georgia who were eligible to vote and unregistered. Um, and then you started looking at sort of the top of the ticket and realizing that consistently um, the win number, the difference between the winning and the losing um, candidate was about 200,000 votes. So there was literally five times the number of black people in the state of Georgia that were eligible to swing any election um, and they weren't participating in our elections at all. Um, so we started with voter registration, but we also talked to black people <laughs> uh, and we talked to them about their hope and their fears, you know, for themselves, for their families, for their communities. Um, and it like helped us develop a policy agenda. Um, and so you'll hear me say this all the time, wherever I'm in public spaces, I think that everybody needs a political home. Mm. Um, and I would love for that to be the New Georgia project, but it doesn't have to be. Like, what is it that you care about? Who are your people? Find them um, and get to work. Uh, so uh, we really want to change the culture of voting and we lean into culture. So art, you know, music, uh, performance art, uh, video games, um, you know, we're trying to put a, together a comedy show, uh, A, to support performing artists, but also B, to know that like throughout the history of revolution, um, that artists have had a, an important role. So if we're going to change the culture of our democracy, if we're going to change the culture of voting, then we need to do it with culture. So, yeah. That's fantastic. That is that is amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. Philip, last but not least, for sure, we got to talk yeah. about the work that you've been doing in the space, man. I saw, I've been watching and, and checking out everybody before the show. Um, and, you know, hearing the work that you've been doing has been has been super inspirational. Let the folks know at home what you've been working on and, and, and what you've been doing in the space. 
Okay. Thank you for having me. Honored to be here with you all and say what's happening. Um, what's I'm, um, so, so in 2012, I helped to co-found an organization called the Dream Defenders after the murder of Trayvon Martin. Um, it was me and a whole bunch of other people. Uh, I was one of the older ones, so I, I, I drew the lucky end of the straw and became the, one of the leaders of that organization. Then uh, has chapters all over the state of Florida. We were one of the organizations, just one of the organizations credited with making sure that the story of Trayvon Martin became a national story, uh, but also did a direct action to push the uh, district attorney to charge George Zimmerman. After George Zimmerman was acquitted almost a year later, we took over the Florida Capitol for 31 days, um, and that kind of elevated our work in Florida from the the work we were doing in building chapters to being on a national platform. Um, but by and large, our work has been in Florida. Uh, we were a part of the coalition uh, led by formerly incarcerated people in Florida to return the right to vote to 1.4 million people who had their right to vote taken away because they have a felony conviction and because Florida is racist hateful and gives out felonies quicker than candy. And so that was huge. Um, and that's the work that NSA is doing in Georgia. Uh, we see amendment four, which is that amendment that we fought for being pivotal to um, kind of righting the wrongs in our democracy in this country and bringing people who haven't had their right to vote into the ballot box. Um, the one thing that I'm most excited about today is that um, on Monday, we're launching something called Black Men Build. And uh, I, j I think we should speak to this, that an increasing number, a small but increasing number of black men are becoming persuadable to the bullshit that comes out of Trump's mouth. And uh, we want to make sure that uh, that doesn't happen and that doesn't continue, but that there is a political home for black men. So we're launching that on Monday. I'm excited to be here. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. It sounds like there's a, a sound in the background. Does anyone have a window open? That's definitely me. My TV turned on by accident. I'm, def I'm definitely that guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's why I started moving. I was like, what was that? What happened? I did, I did see your face. That was that was definitely like the horror black movie face where you just like, yo, I'm not going to that room. That is not the room that I'm going to. I'm not going to go check around that corner. Um, so, of course, I am sure as black folks, especially during the conversation and the time that we are now specifically living in 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 this this pandemic and with you know the protests happening around George Floyd and all that things. Uh, I'm sure that many, many people have asked you the question of how are you? Uh, and I'm sure that many people, I'm sure you're also tired of, of, of answering it. But I, but I think in a, in a space here that we have that that is for us and we can be super candid and you can be as blue as you want. Like, how are you all doing? How, how are you feeling right now? How, how, how is your kind of soul kind of in this space? And say, can share, share what you're thinking and, and feeling. Um, of course, I go first. I mean, <clears throat> I think it's a it's a mix of like determination. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I really do feel like it's our time. Um, I think that you know we've been under attack, right? We've been, um, you know, folks dealing with microaggressions. I think that. Um, I'm encouraged by seeing people sort of not only adopt the language, but adopt tactics. Mm. Um, 
it can be tiring for folks to be like, what do I do? How do I get involved? But Mm -hmm. it's also how we grow our movement. That's how we build. And so like, I'm just really, really grateful to be in community with some dope organizers, some elders and youth who are like teaching me, holding me down. Um, I uh, said earlier, I subscribe. I'm about to get real Southern church lady on y'all for a second. That's not not who I am (laughs) at all. (laughs) Let me be clear about that. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Right. To To my parents' dismay, but... I think I'd like to describe, I subscribe to the gospel choir theory of organizing. The idea being that like, you know, Mississippi mass choir and like all those Southern churches, like they can hold notes for crazy long um, because everybody's doing their part and singing their part. And when an individual vocalist needs to drop out to take a rest, to take a breath, that the note keeps going because everybody's doing their part. Mm. Um, and so I'm encouraged by that. Um, and yeah, that's the moment. So I feel, I don't feel no kind of way when I have to drop out and take care of myself, take care of my dog, uh, my people. Um, and then I get back to work. That's, that's beautiful. I love that. I love that. I love that. Steve, tell me how you, how you feeling? How, how are things right now? Man, after she said that, I cannot, I can, there's no way to follow up. <laughs> I think it's just really conflicting. I mean, I, I'm usually, you know, a nonchalant but confident kind of person, but mm. this state of this state of time, my confidence is definitely still there, but I'm just overall just morally complex with the whole situation. You know, it's just a full spectrum that we're looking at, and it's a lot to download, you know? Um, mm. I've been to two marches already out here in New York, and I mean, shit is going down. But at the same time, I've never felt so much energy love, and I've never seen for miles and miles on end that scientists say that my life matters. I've never seen that, and I'm 33 years old. So there is like, you know, there is like these points that, you know, I feel tired and I I do go through these ups and downs of like, man, stop asking me this shit what to do, man, just do shit. (laughs) But at the same time, it's like, this is the only time that that I've ever seen so many of my friends, black, white, Asian, Spanish, also adamant to actually help out. So I do feel really hopeful. And at the same time, I want to see some consistency. I don't want to be too lost in the sauce with like everything within this first span of like, you know, this this two to three weeks. Like what's going to happen in six months? What's going to happen in two years? Like, mm. so I, that's why I'm so complex with everything because I always kind of think in the future with, you know, just, mm. just how I am as an individual on a day-to-day basis. So, yeah. yeah. That's, that's true, true, true. I'm fooling, I guess. <laughs> no, no, no. That's fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you in that space. Philip, how, how are you feeling? How, how are things right now? Uh, you know, the same as as uh, Stephen Insay. Last week, personally, in my life was one of the worst weeks in my life. And, and not to be a downer, but I had this conversation with somebody else. We typically ask, how are you? Uh, and experience because we don't really care about what the response is. And so I've been trying to break through that and give real answers. But last week was horrible. I had a lot of things on the home front, um, things that I created, but a lot of things on the home front happening at the same time where people hitting you up, asking what to do. Um, People are going out to the streets. Media wants to know what is the plan, what is the move. And and so I, I didn't feel that I was able to meet the moment last week. And I was really doubting mm-hmm. all that I participated in for the last few years. We've done marches. We've done protests. We've done strategy sessions. We've done conference calls and uh, still people getting murdered. 
And, um, mm-hmm. you know, my previous in a previous life, I was in sales. And at the end of the day or the week or the month, you knew how well you did based on a yes or a no. But with this movement thing, that shit could take years and people look at you mm. crazy. Like, ain't this, ain't this what you do? And, um, you know, I felt, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I felt very, it's very, um, mm. yeah, I felt very impotent. And I know that's a, a gendered way to put it, but that's exactly how I felt. I felt that I wasn't able to meet the moment. Um, but as has been said this week, I've been feeling very encouraged and very strong because of the response. And I do, as an organizer, along on this thing for a long time, which is different than an activist, right? But an organizer who is concerned with the long-term things, I am seeing the the tears in the in the capitalist machine and more and more people are starting to be awakened to the realities of the moment and i think it's up to us the folks on here absolutely and say um to figure out steve what what we're gonna do how we're gonna make this moment last um in the meantime in between time because people have short memories <laughs> people have short mm-hmm. memories should be the name of many many albums uh, <laughs> for sure for sure yeah. for sure I, I i was talking to a friend of mine um earlier in the week um and they they, they were doing their own check-in with me they were like yo ka how are you doing you know how's things and 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 for the most part like my shield is pretty big at this point like the the bubble that i have around me in terms of how white supremacy bounces off of it from a mental standpoint is pretty pretty thick in that and it's good at this point but it makes you do the self uh introspective part where you're like all right so when did this bubble start where did the shield get to this point where where was the first day or incident that that came up that made that thing start to grow right and i remember the 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 death of yusef hawkins because i'm from new york i'm from the bronx um and i remember the death of yusef hawkins and I, i did the math and i was like i was 11 when he died and I was like, hmm, I was 11. I'm, th- I'm 41 now. So that's 30 years and change, 30 years at this point of seeing these things kind of amass and all those things kind of pile up on each other and, and be conversations that you have with your friends and your parents and your, your loved ones and your siblings and all those other folks. I think it definitely changed the way I viewed the world. And I guess it's not the, when I lost my innocence, but it's a part of that innocence loss. Yep. I'm curious from all from all of you, when was the time when you decided that you wanted to do this work? Because this work is not easy. It takes lots of time, takes lots of effort, takes lots of emotional work um, and emotional investment. But I'm curious to know, like, when was the time when you kind of woke up and you were like, oh, this is a thing that I need to do with my life as part of, you know, the thing that I, you know, my energy is going to be moving towards. I'm uh, I'm curious, Philip, like, what was the thing that, was there an incident that happened? Was the thing that happened that sparked that want for you to kind of do this work? Yeah, um, damn. Well, I'll I break it down into two phases and I'll be quick, but the first is how I grew up. Mm. So I grew up poor on the south side of Chicago. I'm the oldest of four boys, a preacher and a teacher. We went to church. We came home, went to school, we came home. I lived, I grew up in one of the worst neighborhoods in Chicago. Mm. And so what I always say is I was politicized or mm. radicalized rather growing up like that. And I went to magnet school and then I got to see how kids was living on the other side of the city. And I was mad. I was mad. I was very mad growing up feeling like my whole life was unfair. Uh, my parents prayed, my parents tithed, and we still couldn't make ends meet. 
Mm. Uh, but I was I was politicized in college. And I would say I'll give that the moment. Um, there was a young man named Mark Lee Anderson who was murdered in a boot camp in Bay County, Florida in 2005. I was at Florida A&M University. Uh, shout out to my HBCUs. Mm. And uh, that school had always started to drill in us, you know, you have a role. It's bigger than just being a uppity black person who wears a suit and knows what fork to use. I was in business school, knows what fork to use, mm. et cetera. Um, but that uh, you have a duty and that's what FAMU is about. And so I got immersed in that. And that was when the bug got me, you know, and um, there is nothing like uh, going out. And, and and protesting and, and and being able to express your anger in a in a in a way that could potentially have good effects um, for people and from that point on I knew that was my purpose so that was in two thousand and five that's when I knew that's fantastic Steve I want to talk to you about that How, when did you kind of start to use your kind of artistic lens to to, to kind of do some of this work as well and do some do that activism uh, so. I can't say that I really am an activist or, or, or an organizer. I mean, as an artist, I just really always, uh, I thought I thought it's always really important just to, especially in art, it's all about representation. And within like this, I've been shooting for about seven or eight years now, but within the last like four or five years, I've been really obsessed with making sure that I can show black stories in the most honest way possible. I didn't want. I didn't want to always have this narrative that people can just dictate for us because mm. I've always. I, you see it all the time. And then I grew up. You know, I grew up. I'm born and raised in New York, and I, I was born in Flatbush, raised in Jamaica, Queens. And my mom is from Brownsville, and she grew up in like in the mm. '60s and the '70s. And she used to tell me about how they used to protest back then. And she used to tell me how they used to, you know, chant Ongawa Black Power. And then that was mm. the big thing back then. Mm-hmm. And then all. Then while this is all this happening, and me being into street photography, which is like being like hip hop for me. It's all about showing the most purest form of expression and representation. And especially with, you know, not all white, white, white photographers do this or just photographers in general, the way that our people are represented, I just really, you know, I, t- I get offended by it. So I felt like with this protest, especially with so many narratives around, I felt like it was my due diligence to show the truth, to show that black people are not the ones that are looting and running around and just doing all this nonsense. Like we feel like this is our time to be here and that we are empowered and, and that we're powerful and we're respectful and we're doing this peacefully. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I just think, I, I just took it really seriously. And I just think that, um, I don't know. I just think it's our duty that anybody who has a camera or anybody who's into painting or anything like that, I think, especially as a black person, I think it's our duty right now to really show what we represent and what we are really about for our families. Word, word. Insay, Insay, share your, share your thoughts on, on that question. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I know that people talk about Atlanta as Wakanda now, but um, <laughs> right? and like this black Mecca. But I will tell you that growing up as an African kid in the eighties and nineties in Atlanta, like I was all kinds of African booty scratches, right? Oh. Like that was. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, you see it. <laughs> um, so I, I'm, a, I'm an immigrant. I was born in Nigeria and raised in Southwest Atlanta. And, um, you know, poor kid, poor immigrant family. 
And, you know, the idea that like Atlanta was this place for black people in particular to prosper and have, you know, climb the ladder of social mobility, uh, you know, tons of black millionaires, you know, now it has one the nickname Black Hollywood. Mm. Um, but there's also the home of like such income inequality. Um, and so uh, I you know, when I was in high school, my mom and I became citizens. Um, and, you know, she got a third job to like collect her pennies to hire an immigration lawyer so that we can become citizens. And, you know, we took the test um, and I studied at night and we took the oath of allegiance and uh, pledged our allegiance to the United States and um, agreed to sort of defend her against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I just happened to think that that applies to me, that mm. I happen to think that that shit applies to me um, and to my people. And so, uh, you know, as I became older and got politicized in college, um, I, you know, there was a time where I dated a five percenter, uh, and uh, like all of these. Oh, wow! Wow! The 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 fell off. Like, whoa! 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 Wow. I know! I know! I know! I know! That's amazing. Actually, <laughs> I think mean, we we learn, we live, we learn, we grow. <laughs> Y'all watched a lot of hidden colors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just the hypocrisy of, you know, how uh, constitutional protections apply to some groups and others um, has really pissed me off. So um, poor immigrant kid who, you know, did really well in school, went to law school. I did what I was supposed to do and took a job as a corporate lawyer coming out of school. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was I did my job well because, you know, my name is my name. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's really important that everything that I do, I you know, I do it well, but I wasn't happy enough and I didn't feel like I was moving in my mission. And so, you know, continuing to, like I say that it was my, my nine to five was corporate law and then my five to nine, I was in these streets and, and a baby or organizer. Um, and until I got the confidence and got in community with people and figured out like how to make this my my work, my so to take my you know, my passion uh, and what I thought was my mission and like bring it together. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I got to where I am. I love that. That's fantastic. And also, yeah, I've made some mistakes too. I, I almost dated a, 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 some, some 5% of folks and, and, and that's me too. Uh, so, so I, I, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. Oh, Steve, I had a, had a, had a specific question for you around um, the role of the artist during this particular time. I feel like we're in a really transformative moment. We see a lot of folks who are saying things loud and proudly. Um, and I think the, the, the artist has always been at the, the, the middle of being the first messengers of how a movement starts, how um, messages get shared through their art and how and how people kind of coalesce around those things. I remember specifically that one that one picture of that brother w- with the with the flag shirt on throwing that Molotov cocktail. Right. Like that picture yep. was emblazed, like like burnt into my memory for years it was like on my i put it on my my computer wallpaper for for a long time and be like <laughs> yeah. yes that's some dope shit what do you think yeah. right now is the the kind of um the role of the artist right now when it when it comes to you know what you're able to do what you're able to share and how that important messages how those important messages kind of go through the community 
I mean, I think it's just it's such an important time for photographers and artists to figure out the right is to figure out the right way in their own world to represent the situations as as accurately as possible. Mm-hmm. No, I, I try to make sure that that I don't gravitate to situations. Like if there's if they living in New York, you know, there's a bunch of crazy shit happening. So if you're marching with thousands and thousands, of people, I'm not going to pay attention to like the one drunk dude who's like really bouncing on the corner. I like, because right. that's not what this protest is about. You know, I'm going to make sure that I focus on the people, you know, and I, I think that's really important. There's a, there's a lot of crazy shit happening. You know, sometimes even when a lot of the looting and the rioting was happening a couple of, you know, a couple of days ago, um, there's a lot of these photos that were floating around of people just gravitating to all the, all the burning cars and all like the trash cans and like people doing like BMX tricks over it and stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not opposed to it and I understand it, but, but that's not what I want my work to represent. And I think people really need to ask themselves when it comes down to it in the next 10 years, what do you want your, your diary to say? What do you want your diary to represent? Do you want to, I mean, and it's, it's all up to you, but at the end of the day, I, I take documentation as paramount and documentation, like you said, leads into art. And um, I take that, I take it really seriously. And I think representation is, it's so easy to get lost in that. So I want to make sure that I do it truthfully. And then that's, um, that's why I even like, like black and white so much because it's less distracting and you could just focus on the subject, you know? Um, so there's all, all these things. It's interesting about the protest most importantly you just make sure that you're doing you're doing right, right by us and just using it as exploited information yeah i think it, uh, and i love that answer i think it's been really interesting to see the images that we have coalesced around the ones that have kind of made us not feel great but also the ones that i feel will be timeless in the ways that that they that they should be i remember very specifically um i think it was maybe the first or second night of the protests when things started to burn but there was this really dope um uh image of the scrawled note on the top of a building that was saying can you hear us now and and i I felt like you know capturing that moment is important you need to be able to, to to tell the stories that um don't necessarily get shared from the people on the ground which i think is really 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 important as well um other question I had for you real fast is we often see that the lens is a very important tool for the artist, right? The the lens now has become the thing that helps us to surface injustice in ways that we weren't able to do prior to the to, prior to the fact of not having technology to be able to do that thing. So now it's, it's changed from everyone being, you know, the, the media photographer to having your cameras out when you see something go wrong. Um, yeah. We've seen also how that can be detrimental to the artist. We saw that happen with Ramsey Orta, who has was, was put into jail after filming the death of Eric Garner. Ha, has there been conversations in the artist community about the role there to say, how can we be most of help without putting yourself into danger as well when it comes to capturing some of these potentially dangerous situations and potentially um, life-threatening, life-threatening ones? One of the hot topics right now in the photography community is uh, exposing people's faces and protesters' faces, mm-hmm. and understanding the, the the balance of, you know, just showing people's faces in these situations and not knowing the consequences of what happens sometimes. And after, like, you know, with these racist ass police, you don't know what these you don't know what these motherfuckers is doing after. Like, the, yeah. these photos are floating yeah. around. So, it just being very conscious of that is is really important. And I, I know that there is a, a fine line of trying to figure out 
you know, the balance of like, when can you show someone's face and when you can you not? So I always try to leave those kind of questions. I try to ask them straight up right then and there, like, would you be okay with this? I'm on assignment with X, Y, and Z. And, um, we will be using these photos and if they if they're okay with it then it's all good if they're not okay with it i literally said it's all good like i won't i won't even bother you and it's and it's i won't even take offense to that because this is serious and i think a lot of people just have to be reminded like people's lives are on the line with this stuff so i mean the photos are great like you know the conversations are great but like niggas are still dying so we need to make sure that this doesn't happen so if we could be cautious about it as much as we can like and if somebody tells you they don't want to get their photos taken, you don't get mad at them. You know what I mean? Like just respect it and keep it moving because there is other, there's a million opportunities outside to be you know, caught up on one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and say one of the things that has been on my mind in a real way has been, of course, we're in a polit- uh, political climate where Trump is doing the wildest shit I've ever seen in my life. We have an election year happening. Um, and a lot of the work you've been doing has been focused on getting out the vote and especially getting out that vote. And I'm sure probably across a lot of folks who we have watching tonight, which is a fairly youthful, um, segment of the population. I'm curious to hear, you know, how are you trying to unravel some of the work that you're doing for folks who aren't necessarily super politically inclined and trying to usher themselves into the voting ages and, and and especially with us having one of the most important elections in our lifetimes coming up. You know, what are some of the things you've been working on and kind of the tactics you've been kind of uh, employing to, 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 to work out how each one of those Lego bricks kind of works for people and how you work down the line of saying, well, here's your local person and that local person talks to this other person. Like how are you working to demystify some of this stuff for the, for the people that you're working with? Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, we, you know, have two ears and one mouth. <laughs> so we do more listening than we do talking. Uh, that's really important because people will tell you what's on their heart and what's on their minds and what their priorities are. And so the way that we train our organizers is to listen, right? And people will tell you what they care about. And then we talk about it. So you question the value of your vote. You question whether or not voting is even matter. Um, but you also are out here at the protests with us, right? Because we are always in the streets with our people. And so, you know, one of the examples that we use is Trayvon Martin. Like, you know, in Georgia, and I'm sure it's the case in a lot of other states, that you can, you the jury pool, people who serve on juries comes from registered voters. Mm. And so if you were in the jury deliberation room when you heard the trial you heard you were in george zimmerman's on george zimmerman's jury would you bring in your people your experiences your memory you know your community and there's no way that you can serve on a jury if you're not a registered voter again that's the case in georgia um i think the other thing is that you know you might not vote but guess who does your boss, Mm. your landlord, Mm -hmm. these racist cops, right? They all vote. And so if you are about sort of liberation, um, why would you take any tool out of your tool belt, right? So yes, it's protesting. Yes, it's voting. Yes, it's lobbying. Um, And, you know, we used to be like, you know, we can't tweet ourselves to liberation, but like you can actually tweet like, the conversations that are, that are happening on Twitter, the consciousness raising that's mm-hmm. happening on Twitter, 
It, it all matters. It all matters. And so I tell people like, again, um, it is one of the least things that you can do to bring about the power and the change that we want to see. Um, and but I don't try to lie to people like it's like this is it right and I don't (laughs) you don't have a right to protest you don't have a right to complain nah you absolutely have a right to complain but when you are ready to talk about like how we win and not like how we lose less Mm. but like how we actually win um, then voting has to be a part of that conversation yeah it's it's been really telling because uh, so one of the things that we've been trying to do and we've done over the past couple of years we run this thing called spawn for good uh where we raise money in the gaming space for social justice issues that most people don't actually mess around with so we did black lives matter the first year that we did it like five years ago uh we, we actually donated to erica garner uh when she was when she was alive um and and one of the things we want to do this year that we did last year was again get out the vote we've been working with folks like vote writers and some other folks in that space so we're looking to do more of that work but the conversation that we had myself and my my, my friend when we were doing it was there was a huge dearth of energy right after multiple people came out of the race right so when your fave didn't make it you know a lot of that youth energy kind of kind of went away right the the conversations that we had especially with with then bernie uh dropping out right at the end um and now biden being the presumptive presumptive uh, nominee maybe kind of sort of almost still because we still have to go to the convention um how, how do we kind of work to figure out how we want to move the youth vote in this space right now where it's very difficult to do that organizing because we're all home now because of covid there's a lot of that grassroots on the ground, boots on the ground conversation that usually happens with face to face conversation about why you should be doing that work. Philip, you've been doing this for a very long time. You were formerly doing some work with the with the Bernie campaign as well, which had a huge like energy around it for, for the youth vote. What are the conversations that you're having with po- with folks around you now about how you galvanize that in a real way? with candidates that aren't necessarily popping in the way that we would hope that they would have <laughs> in ways that are going to be really sexy yep. for for all the folks especially in our community what are the conversations that you're having in that space i mean i think reality yes, is endorsement. <laughs> right <laughs> i think i think i think reality is endorsing the importance of voting right now um hmm. we've experienced um we, we, we say continuously that Corona is the virus, but capitalism is the crisis. Um, mm. Having elected officials that don't care about you is the crisis that, yes, coronavirus would have attacked our country. We couldn't prevent that from coming, but we could have had a safety net. We could have had health care. We could have had people not living on top of each other. We could have had people living in not living in food deserts. Right. And so. The conversation is, I think, reality right now is doing everything we need to do to light the Kindle for people. We just need to let them know that we got to do what we got to do right now. On one side, we have a neo-fascist in Donald Trump who is racist, who is a representation of a hate and a divisiveness and a love for money and profit that is at the heart of this country. And on the other side, we have someone who um, is on the outer realms of senility and doesn't have a vision um but we do have we do have the opportunity right here and and look i'm stealing this from a friend of mine named jerica who's an incredible uh writer um you know who's an incredible writer this is the last dance 
this is the last dance. If we do what we're supposed to do right now, this is the last time we got to dance with the Democratic Party in this way when we're not leading the dance. And right now, we actually do have a legitimate opportunity to move the platform, to fight for as much as we can get um, from a candidate who actually has never represented themselves to being on the side of the people. Um, but we have a real opportunity to continue to push because he's vulnerable. Um, he is not one of the strongest Democratic candidates that we've had in the last few decades. And um, if he is smart, he knows that. And so I think we can't leave anything on the table. NSA really already said it. The only thing I'll add around the voting conversation that we say in addition to what you all are saying is, you know, people always come to young people and say, look at all the people that died for you to be able to vote. <laughs> and and I, I, I tell people, no, that's true. But it's not about the people who died for you to vote. It's the people who dying around you. It's the people who are about yeah. to die. Because and so the vote, you I don't know what happens when you do vote all the time, but I know what happens when you don't vote. And it's exactly what NSA has said. It's those people are going to vote and they're making sure that their interests um are are um are supported and advanced. And so that's what I've been trying to do. Let people know we cannot have Donald Trump for four more years. Um, we do have Joe Biden, but this is the last dance. Mm, I love that. I love that. I love that. I mean, we've seen the conversation around the, the black vote be really, really volatile within this, within the group and, and outside the group in real ways. I've seen many, many people be like, yo, I'm taking my vote and I'm out. Fuck that. Hmm. And there's also been the folks who are like, yo, you need to earn it in a real way and, and hmm. do that work. I'm curious to hear from each of you. You know, we get, you kind of touched on it a little bit, Philip, but the, the conversation around the power of the actual black vote. I think for the folks who are in our audience, we have uh, um, a, a large swath of, of black and brown folks who listen to the show and, and pay attention to the show. Um, but, and, and a lot of those folks are still having that analysis paralysis of like what they want to do when it comes time for November, uh, because they're, they're, they're not excited about who we may, may possibly get. And they know that Trump is a piece of shit. How, how do you, I, I guess, uh, what's the, what's the, how, how do you kind of grip with that part of it as well to say, like, I don't, how do you express the power of the black vote to folks who don't necessarily understand just how much power we actually have in this space? Is, is there a number that you give them is like this amount of this, like, this is the amount of people that you need to flip a thing, or is it something else that you tell people as the, you know, the, uh, elevator pitch to, to the black vote uh, that you share with people. I, I'm going to go around go around the room and say you, you started off. Um, <clears throat> I mean, again, it depends. I start yeah. by listening, but we have tons of examples. Listen, uh, the mayor of Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, like people were super jazzed and excited, right? Atlanta got a mayor named Keisha was like a whole <laughs> thing for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she won by 500 votes. <laughs> she won by 500 votes, right? Um, and we know people that have, you know, you got more than 500 followers on Twitter. You know, we have more than 500 followers on Instagram. And so you can't tell me that uh, the, and let's be clear, um, you know, she won in a runoff. So she didn't win like outright on the first ballot. Um, I, <clears throat> and so just 
it is a numbers game. And again, it's a part of the larger strategy. I think also when we start thinking about Biden, I think that it's a, it's, so what's going on in the White House is super important, right? Mm. But what's more important is what's going on in your house, right? Talk about it. <clears throat> and, you know, the water that we drink, the air that we breathe, right? Like there are people who are elected and they, you know, are beholden to sometimes lobbying, sometimes corporate interests. What does that look like if you have people who are beholden to you? Like we literally have the ability to hire and fire these folks, right? And I don't want to leave that on the table. Um, and this shit is urgent. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. I'm super happy about like the, the, so there's a framework that we've been working with, like folks who do criminal justice reform and criminal legal reform around divest and invest, mm. right? So the, I, is, it's, the, it's a lie that we don't have enough money to have good schools. It's a lie that we don't have enough money to have high-speed internet everywhere in our country. It's a lie that we don't have enough money to have our own bullet trains, right? So, like, I've wanted since a little girl to be able to just get on a train on, like, Friday and, like, head down to Savannah, you know, do some work, kick it for the weekend and come back. And that doesn't exist because we have elected officials that don't respond, that, that they're not accountable. They don't know what our issues are and they're not accountable to us. We can get rid of them, right? At every level of government. I feel like there was a time where people, when Trump was saying all the wild shit mm -hmm. and folks were watching in fascination, right? And there was this debate, particularly on on the media about whether or not we should take him literally <laughs> or serious or seriously yeah. right and i mean i think that that question has been answered and it doesn't matter right like <laughs> he is a threat to us uh, our way of life the democracy that we're trying to build and so i try to you know again, connect to the things that people care about, express the urgency of the moment and like help people or talk to people about connecting into their power. So, okay, you, you don't wanna vote, like what is it that you're gonna do? Are you happy with the way things are, right? Cause mm -hmm. if you're not, like this is definitely one of the things that you can do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Steve, you have any thoughts about that? It's, it's, it's really interesting because like, this is the first, um, I've been, especially with street dreams and everything that we've been doing with street dreams, everything that we've been doing is to not only, you know, help promote the artists, but also to help promote our communities and, you know, protect the people that we really, you know, that we really care for. So um, this is the first year that we actually got hit up to work with the census. And I think it's really important to this, like something like the census is something that's so ill because you know, shit like that is exactly to your point of, you know, we need to control what's happening in our house right now. And like the stuff that, you know, a lot of people, in a, lot, a lot of black people just don't fill out the census in the first place. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I don't fill out the census, you know, but, mm -hmm. you know, once I've, you know, figured out all the information that goes along with it and understanding like these things affect our next lives for the next 10 years. If somebody is 13 years old or like 18 years old and they figure out something about this, you can actually have real change in our community to help get more like, you know, public funding, hit, get better school lunch, get better 
all this other stuff that we actually need out here. So I think it's kind of important to, I know that not everybody is ready to jump off the, you know, jump off the cliff, if you will, but you really need to take this stuff seriously and get involved in sometimes getting involved as small steps first in order to get to the bigger step. But like, we really need to start taking action because, uh, we can't be scared of that shit. We can't be scared of failure because regardless of anything, we, you know, we just need to see some kind of progress. So I, I completely agree with, you know, everything that, you know, that everyone is bringing to the table because it's really important. And it's like you said, it's urgent as hell. We need to, we need to figure this out yeah. ASAP. Yeah, for sure. Philip, what, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I'm, you know, I agree with everything that's been said. We, we try to couch voting in the whole, kind of pantheon of what we have at our at the tools in the tool belt and so when when right now i think it's very important maybe more than ever because we live in a, a country now that doesn't isn't founded on a ba- basis of truth anymore right there are alternative facts there is an undermining of reality and there is a intentional confusion that emanates from the white house and then is is promised so what what I like to do when I'm talking about voting is talk about the realities of what we are up against, talk about the importance of us doing, gritting our teeth and doing what we have to do this year and how it fits in our plan for the next 10 years, right? That's locally, that's statewide, and that's nationally. And so that's, I think, at the most simple level, in addition to everything that has been said, that is what we try to do. We say, look, I already know how you feel about this election. I feel you too, right? Hmm. I feel exactly how you feel. Maybe even I feel crazier than you feel actually about all of this, <laughs> about what we have. You know what I'm saying? But but we have to do we have to do what we have to do right now and don't act like you don't do what you have to do every day. You go to a job you probably don't like. Right. You probably mm-hmm. buying food that you don't probably like. So don't get all <laughs> principle right now when we're talking about just one thing. I'm asking you to go possibly wait in line and, and you do it for Jordans. You do it for everything. Wait in line and go mm-hmm. circle a box. And let's talk about the protest. Let's talk about the city commission meeting that we got to go to. Let's talk about all the other things that we have to do to go to. Um, one of my favorite quotes is by Amakar Cabral. And he says, we have to expose truth to the masses, basically. Right. He's mm-hmm. saying, claim no easy victories. Tell the people no lies. Right. And so we cannot lie to the people. Right. As Insay said, they'll tell you what they care about. And I think we have a duty and a responsibility to respond to them and say, listen, yes, it's fucked up. But I'm going to tell you what the answer is not. It is not to put that coin in, in that you have. That is your vote. That is your consent into the system every two years, four years. And not to throw that in a wishing well, not to throw that in a slot machine, but mm. to put it in this right now. And let's talk about what we're going to do afterwards. Right. But you cannot let all this work, Donald Trump represents an existential threat to our lives because he is willing to use every mechanism at his disposal in this sick country, right, to make it sicker and to consolidate money even more and consolidate power even more. And that's going to set us back. We're not going to be able to move the way we need to. Yeah. One of the things I've I've loved seeing and hearing you say, Philip, over the, the, the time that I've been checking out your work, um, it was a really great piece that you talked about. I think it was with Talib. Um, and you talked about the kind of recollection of the black consciousness, right? And the, and the black conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, and how 
you know, after years and years of dismemberment of the black body mm-hmm. and the black mind and all those things from slavery to Jim Crow to this is what we see today. Um, I'm curious about your thoughts about how this movement feels. Do you feel like, you know, our lead and participation in these protests and these movements that we see right now and then everyone around the world kind of jumping into the fray? Do you feel like that's a part of that reclamation, of that kind of bringing the body and mind back together for for black people in some ways? A thousand percent. I'm going to make this super quick. That's why I love the word remember. We are dismembered. And every time we remember, right, every time we come together for a protest, for a campaign, even to elect a good candidate, hopefully a great candidate, we are remembering the parts of us that has been dismembered. So I see nothing but optimism from the protests and from the moment that we're in right now, because we are not different movements. The Occupy movement did not end, Mm. right? The Black Lives Matter movement will not end. The movement to save Troy Davis did not end. Gina Six did not end, right? The movement after Katrina did not end. There are people from those movements who then helped and joined other movement. Um, and I'm and Dream Defenders is an example of that. One of our co-founders is Nalini Stamp, who was one of the people who helped co-found Occupy. We wouldn't have known what the fuck we was doing really at a lot of times mm. without Nalini. So I see it growing and I see it starting to come together like Voltron. That's dope. That's dope. I love that. Uh, Steve, real quick, I want to ask you a question because one of the things I love about your work is that you have figured out amazing ways to visualize beauty in simple and like really gorgeous and complex ways as well. Like you're, the way you compose things, the way you kind of build things with brands and without, um, you know, and, and with other folks in collaboration and, and some of that stuff. We've seen in the past week. Everybody named Mama jump on the Black Lives Matter train, especially from the from the, from the brand <laughs> perspective, which I found to be really interesting. Um, mercy, yeah, Lord mercy. Um, <laughs> I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about that. I feel like that's a part of the ethos right now of everybody kind of jumping on this and feeling like it's the hot thing to do. You know, what what are your thoughts about kind of the brand management and the brand alignment with stuff that four years ago? When Black Lives Matters was basically supposedly from the people who said it, a terrorist group. Come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now everyone is. <laughs> yeah, we were terrorists four years ago. Yeah, for real, for real. So, mm-hmm. what, do you, what are your thoughts you about know, that part of the fit, part of the thing? You start, we probably start. We started making better merch. Probably, I don't know what happened. But I, but I think is you know it, it's um I I feel you know I feel really conflicted with that too and and to keep it a buck with everybody I you know it's it's hard to accept sometimes because you know I've been on the side of the social media and commercial side of the world for a long time even though I have a street background and there's a lot of you know I've have a I've definitely got a lot of W's in the game but at the same time I had to really work my ass off for everything like I never got like Instagram didn't give me a suggested user like they were giving out to people back in the day I had to like I had to earn my shit I had to earn everything. So all the stuff that I've been communicating with my art and my work has always been about the stories that I simply love the most. It's like, I grew up around black people. I'm going to talk about black people. You know, that was, is a very simple mm-hmm. equation for me. So I think mm-hmm. that you know, at, at the same time that it leaves uh, a bad taste in your mouth a little bit, like, you know, which will, you know, you have to just accept that you still have to figure out how to play the game to our advantage. And maybe if you get a little bit, I, mean, I get a little upset sometimes and I like, let me just let this chill here for a bit. And let me test this like, 
in a couple of so I don't sound like I'm giving you all this, you know, the, the stereotypical angry black guy tone of like, man, oh, now you want to hit me up and say this? Because, you know, <laughs> that's your first intention to say sometimes. You know? But I, I just, I think it's way more important to just make sure that we, we do, we're doing things with intentions and we're finding companies actually want to represent our work the right way. It's, um, there might be some situations that you might have to say no to, but at the same time that you really have to evaluate the situations where we can really get our message across you know, to a massive amount of people. And then some of these companies, you know, they have that exposure. So we just need to be really understanding and understand what we want to represent in those situations. But, you know, I'm going to keep it, like I said, I'll keep a buck with you. It's hard. It's, it's hard to really accept that sometimes. Sure. But um, I can't let my ego get in the way because there's way more other shit that's at stake than my ego. And mm-hmm. like the fact that you didn't hit me up six months ago. <laughs> for real, for real, for real. That's real. Um, <laughs> It's say we are a premier. Wait, does anybody else have anything to add to that conversation? Because I think that's really important too. Anyone else have anything to add to that? I mean, it's been kind of disgusting, but shout out to Ben and Jerry's though. Right? They went in. I don't even do ice cream like that, but like I'm inspired to grab a pint. Uh, I, I think that. Um, I mean, who knew that eventually social justice was going to become profitable, that, you know, <laughs> titans of industry would try to leverage that to add to their bottom line. Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of it, but, um, you know, this performative wokeness uh, by some of these brands. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> welcome. Yeah. The only thing I do want to say um, is that at least now we have some people on the record, right? And so in two months when um, Gucci or Dior or one of these motherfuckers try to do some shit, we're able to say, yo, two months ago, bro, you was, you was doing this. Now you're at the sweatshop. <laughs> now you're at the boom, boom, boom. And I think I think uh, uh, a lot of these companies are saying Black Lives Matter, not knowing that the politics of the people who are generating this thing don't just start, don't just begin and end with African-Americans. Right. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Africans. We're talking about Vietnamese people. We're talking about Palestinian mm-hmm. people. We're talking about mm-hmm. Brazilian people. And so I think that's what it's really going when it's going to really hurt them when they're like, oh, that was cute. But I thought y'all were going to allow us to do this stuff in Haiti. And it's like, no, nah, bro, that's like, that's nah, not how it's nah. going down. So they're on the record now um, in this moment when it's a vibe. And now we're going to be able to say, no, no, no. So I, I think it's it's good in that respect. That's fantastic. I lo- yeah, you're totally right about that. I'm looking. My eyes are like, I'm like Steph, Steph Curry's daughter in that one that one thing, looking at everybody. <laughs> I see you. I see you. Yes. How her. is the gaming world responding? Um, like, I feel like you have your thumb, like your finger much more on the pulse than I do. So what have you seen? Well, it's a couple of things. And I'm happy you asked that because I'm going to ask you about the, the games that you were, you and your crew are, are making, because I think that's fascinating. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's been really interesting, right? So we've been doing this show for since 2013 at this point. It's been hella black forever. We talked about everything that, that you possibly can talk about with the cross-section and intersection of games being the kind of foundation of it, right? The Right now, um, right now is hot. It's the same thing, right? 
many gaming brands, many streamers who haven't said a thing since everybody else died are now throwing up their white and black lettering on all their social medias. And now they're pulling in black streamers and shouting them out and doing all this other stuff. Now when everybody's hot and you didn't want to play with no Negroes ever, mm. we want to play with some Negroes and not everybody else. Right? So we have that part of the conversation, right? It is that same thing that, that, that Philip said about, you know, what's going to happen when the next person, sadly, as we all know, and it's a sad thing to say out loud is going to lose their life. We've had people lose their lives during the protests already Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. people are not talking about and not giving 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 air to you know directly and in 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 real ways i it's going to be interesting to see because my shift has has been from a from a person in the gaming perspective in the gaming industry to move away from the messaging around okay representation is what we need to have in here just to get the people in the room which i think is important we need to do that too but me i'm like we are folks who buy shit in this space. We are consumers. The black dollar is very, very strong. The black dollar is a huge part of our power base. How do we have those conversations about how your brand and how the folks that you're going to be making games are going to do things that benefit us in ways that actually matter? Are you going to put us on your stages to represent your games? Are you going to put us in as characters into those games? Are you going to be the ones to come to our communities and not just talk to us about Madden and 2K? Because we do a whole <laughs> bunch Jesus. of other shit besides <laughs> just those two things, which you mm-hmm. automatically mm-hmm. assign to us in that way. So I'm doing that work right. with the show. I'm doing that work. I work over it. The, the 2K stereotype kills to this day. It's, just- it's madness. It's madness. And, and and I'm trying to do some of that work at my day job over at Intel in the, in the gaming spaces there. So it's like, it is a very interesting space where now you have a lot of folks within the groups who are uh, and the folks on the periphery who are trying to now kind of poke in and cash in about how this stuff is working. And the folks yep. who are the old heads like me and some of the young cats, we're seeing it and everybody's wary. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, mm-hmm. you see that weird trap in, in, in the forest. You're like, nah, I ain't fucking with that. Those leaves don't look right. <laughs> So the conversation is, is changing. It's a little bit really too early for us to tell who the real ones and who ain't the real ones. I will say this, um, the, again, and folks who, you know, you'll hear me say this again, but in a real way, the show that we did last week with the, with the amazing streamers that we had on the show, um, that thing got shared out in a way that I've never seen before. Like I've never mm-hmm. seen gaming companies, people at high level, C level, uh, pass that thing around and talk about it. And we were on the front pages of a whole bunch of different gaming sites la- uh, this this week. Uh, I said last week when you know it was recorded last week, but we put it out this week. Um, so to a certain extent, I am I am um, happy about what that means. I want to see the long game though. When the long game happens and we get a chance to see like how long are you going to do this? How much access are you going to give people? that's when it's going to be the rubber meeting the road in that way um so thank you for that question i think that was really important and and, and good to bring up but I'm, i want to focus it on you because i remember hearing in an interview that you did earlier that and this is one of the things i was like oh shit, we got to talk about this um what is this about the games that you're making to kind of help the messaging around voting in, in the political process? yeah 
Um, well, I will say that we started with Madden and 2K tournaments. <laughs> yeah, right. Gotta go as where they should, at. Though, as you should, as you should. I ain't mad at you. Yep. I ain't mad at you. That's why I was like, oh, oh, okay, that's not cool. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, we also had Smash, uh, Smash Brothers uh, tournament See, I love Smash well. Brothers. All right, cool. All right, so there you go. There you go. And it really was like an attempt to, um, you know, dig into the culture. Um, there's a spot in Atlanta called Access Replay um, mm. that is basically like, I would say, um, like an Olympic training facility for esports players, mm. right? Like oh, they fine. go there. Yeah, it's dope. Um, and, you know, having conversations, we would host gaming tournaments, right? And talking to people about voting, talking to people about what we do. I think it really hit us that um, play as learning or gaming as learning. And if they're doing it for like STEM, then why can't we do it around civics and like how this shit really works and how government really works? Um, I know, you know, just to reference my background again, um, as an immigrant and an immigrant of kind of young parents, um, I was like the spokesperson for my family, right? Mm. So like I translated stuff, right? And so like government documents, a lot of this stuff is designed to be opaque and like not easy to understand. And so the idea was like, well, why can't we do a choose your own adventure game Ooh. so that people can really understand how like, how to navigate uh, if you are a black child with a learning disability trying to navigate your way through the public school system to get what it is that you need compared to like a wealthy white kid, right? So people could understand inequality um, and how it plays out in everyday life. Um, I think also we wanted to do like match three puzzle games because the, we I've, I read an industry report that basically said that 50% of gamers are women. Um, oh, and right. Mm -hmm. But that was that's not the narrative that gets pushed, right? right? And so understanding, I mean, the truth of the matter is we wanted to be in people's phones, right? We want to be in young mm -hmm. people's phones because folks have their phones. I mean, it's the computer living in their pocket and their whole lives are in their mm -hmm. pocket. And so the original idea was to try to buy ad space in like um, popular games, like, you know, Angry Birds or whatever. And then we saw the mm -hmm. ticket on that. I was like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh -huh. <laughs> How about we uh, try something else? Um, so yeah, like dope black developers, black mm. designers, black esports players um, are mm. in our ecosystem, and people are asking like, how do we help? How do we get down? How do we leverage, you know, our time, our talent, our treasure to make sure that you know our voices are represented? And so we did a game jam, seventy two hours uh, at this replay. Yeah, yeah, and I mean. You we had a hundred people uh, sign up to participate. Ten wow. people on ten teams, and they came up with ten games. Uh, we gave out prizes oh, to the top okay. teams, and we're building them now. Um, I think the one that I'm most excited about, and I'm a, so coronavirus really hated hard on our plans, mm. but um, <laughs> you know people don't know this is 
the 100th anniversary of the passage of the 19th Amendment. Um, and essentially the 19th Amendment gave white women the right to vote. Um, and it was, you know, another, you know, 40 years before uh, the Voting Rights Act of 1964 was passed, 1965 was passed, and women of color, Black women, Latinas, et cetera, got the right to vote. So what did we want to do around the centennial of women getting the right to vote, white women? Um, we wanted to do um, like a escape room. Uh, and so we were in the process of building an escape room. Um, it was going to be, or it, it's still going to be um, augmented reality, right? Mm. And so if you come Crazy. in, you, know, you give the glasses and like you look at the jar of jelly beans and people know that there was a time where Black people had to guess the number of jelly beans that were in a jar uh, in order to to vote right and so you know doing the mobile escape room you come through you have to you know guess and go through all of these hurdles yeah um so that people understood like what it took at one point in order to vote and then also you know folks know that i'm super close with uh stacy abrams that's the homie mm -hmm. um we <laughs> love her um and um but so people hear voter suppression, but they don't really know what it means. Right. Um, I think that she's done what she can and she's done a great job of like lifting up this issue around the country. But like, do people know that in 2018 in Atlanta, um, you know, folks were waiting in line for five and six hours that the, the mm -hmm. voting machines in some of the black neighborhoods didn't have power cords, right? Um, oh and so wanting to be able wanting to create an experience where people understood that. And so like, how do we yeah. use virtual reality and augmented reality to tell better stories um, as an organizing tool? So oh, wow. we don't have all the answers at all, but we're trying to figure it out. I'm going to connect you with some folks because we amazing. had a really dope um, sister come on the show a couple a couple months back. Um, and that's literally what they're working into. They're all they're building a collective and working on AR and VR experiences, all black folks doing that stuff. So I will, I will connect y'all in some way. That sounds that. so fire. Cause that's going to be really, really dope. Yeah. We're running out of time and this show has flown by. I wish I could keep you all here with me for freaking hours. Cause it's so good. <laughs> um, but the last question I want to ask you all to, to answer really quickly. Cause I know a lot of folks at home are still trying to figure out how they can best be a part of this movement, how they can best figure out good ways to be involved and how they can best um, do some good in this space, especially moving up towards the election. I want to go around the room and just share one thing that you feel like folks can do that, that that'll move the needle a little bit in the spaces that they're in. Um, I'm going to start off with you, Steve. Oh, man, there's so much shit to do. Um, <laughs> there, but I guess like the easiest thing is I, I, I have a very simple process because I feel like having a simple process makes it it's very insightful and it's very deep in itself mm -hmm. i think the first thing that you have to do is just be really self-aware like truly self-aware of your situation of what's going on um there's a lot of there's a lot of false information that's going on but at the same time there's also a lot of hope so just make sure that you're properly self-aware of you know of everything that's going on and then find actual ways to get involved that you know it doesn't have to be the biggest step at first, but like find ways to actually do like these progressive steps towards making some real change. Um, because none of this shit should be this way. This is 2020 and we still acting like this is like 1920. Like we, let's speed this, let's speed up this process and like move on with our lives and actually really enjoy ourselves. And, and 
you know, and just do the simple things that everybody else should be able to do in their own life. So, um, yeah, that's it. That's the two things I would suggest. Word, word. Philip, you're up next. What, what do you have for the folks? Mm-hmm. Go to www.m4bl.org. On there, you're going to find our demands, the demands that are put being put forward. Um, I would also say go to www.dreamdefenders.org. You'll also find information. Uh, we need education and information. You'll find those things on there. The last thing I'll say is join a Black-led revolutionary organization in your city. Mm-hmm. If you cannot find one, you can hit me up or go to InfraBL or go to Dream Defenders. But motherfuckers find Jordans. You find weed, <laughs> you find whatever you want on the internet. So mm-hmm. find a black man hey. organization before you hit me up, please. These are facts. The These are the facts. <laughs> I need that to be a really big ass shirt. Just be like, go do this, do that, and do that. First thing you do stuff. Uh, so you have the floor for, for the last word. Thank you so much for, 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 for hitting us up with this. Yeah. Um... To echo my brother Phil, um, you need a political home. We all do. There's something that you care about, so get organized. We got to organize people, and we have to organize our resources. The truth is that the enemies of progress will always be able to outspend us, but it's more of us than them. So find your people um, and get information. Um, we are working on, and it's for the Spawn on Me audience, uh, we're working on additional gaming activations. We will love partners, collaborators. Uh, We are coachable and teachable. Uh, We want to be in community. We want to learn. We want to build with you. So everything about this was dope. I'm super Mm -hmm. glad that you invited me to hang out with the cool kids. (laughs) Um, And yeah, uh, New Georgia Project, spelled all the way out, dot org. Thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much. And I got you. Whatever you need, we got people for you. So don't even worry about that part. Um, stick around. Yeah, uh, I'm about to come out. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to come up. That sounds fire. I'm about yeah, to hop on a Greyhound assumption. Oh, no. You got to do this for we got oh, that sounds I mean, like, like, y'all don't know, know Steve sweatpants he's verified yeah all right crew you hold on for one second i'm gonna knock out this outro super super quick oh my goodness everybody at home everybody at home thank you so so much for hanging out with us this week and every week that you roll with us to spawn on me Again, these are the only kind of shows you can find here. We had such dope, dope, dope folks coming through this week, spitting that hot game, telling you all the things you need to do to make yourselves really, really valuable in this fight. We know that we need every one of you out there. We need all of you to put in that work. We need all of you to talk to people, spread that good message and spread that good energy and vibe um, and make it happen for all of us so that we can get through this madness that we're seeing right now because it's not going to go away. We need to make that shit disappear so massive love to you all keep sharing the workout thank you so much for following thank you so much for all the subs tonight all the the crazy stuff we were on the front page of twitch we almost had thirteen thousand people watching the show tonight so again thank you everybody for coming through and we will see you next week and until then we say peace Peace.